0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Add Ten Gallons Concrete Podcast. I am your host, Josh, and I am joined by nobody at the moment. Paul and Joey are on assignment. Uh, we we have some busy times right now uh, in the world of Actigel Two Hundred Eight. Uh, we're on job sites and and projects and trials all the time. And it is May, after all, and we hope that you guys are out there making hay while the sun shines as well. It's certainly our busy season, and we hope it's yours. Also, uh, the, the beautiful thing about a podcast is it is usually a multitasking endeavor. And uh, wherever you're driving, whatever you're working on, whatever you're doing, we hope that you're listening in to us at the same time. And uh, you know we hope to bring you some entertainment and some information as we always strive to do. And we certainly intend to do that here with this episode. We have Billy Ripple on the program. Billy uh, works in IT for Command Alcon. We've had a few Command Alcon reps on in the past. Uh, Billy, in particular, is on the IT side, and he really gives a deep dive into AI, data acquisition, um, gathering data, and then uh, using it and presenting it in a way that's easy to read and manipulate and uh, ascertain what the the data is trying to tell you. Uh, He also talks extensively about his background, how he got into the IT field, and one important thing he talks about is the importance of IT in the concrete industry? Um, we discuss how, if you are a, a younger kid going through high school, getting into college, you have an IT interest, you wouldn't look at the concrete industry as uh, an actual target or you know some place that would have well sought after jobs in the IT field. And we debunk those those myths or those stereotypes, and we talk about how the presence of technology is not only integral in the success of concrete plants and and concrete businesses all throughout the world Um, it's it's gotten to the point where it is an essential tool that you have to have in order to compete especially in you know certain low margin areas which most areas are low low margin areas within the concrete world Uh, so billy comes with a lot of really great insight that we're excited to to have you guys listen to but however we're going to get to our interview here as it's just me I'm going to you know, try not to make this into a radio DJ session. I don't like to hear myself talk anyway. So uh, Billy's got more important things to say, and hope you all enjoy.
1: All right, welcome back today. We have a very special guest, another one from Command Alcon. This is two this year. It's pretty exciting. Guys, we've got Mr. Billy Ripple on the show. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Yeah, well, hey, why don't you go ahead and let the people know what is your background in the industry? How in the world did you end up where you are today?
2: Uh, great question. Um, I kind of started off the beaten path a little bit. Um, whenever I was you know, younger, when I got my first computer, I really knew that um, somewhere in technology was going to be my, my, where I wanted to end up. It was very clear I, for me that I had a natural affinity and I knew I wanted to end up in technology some way. Um, now how I did that, I wasn't quite sure. So, uh, I started off as a janitor at a local aerospace company, fresh out of high school. And I worked there for seven years before I got laid off. And it was a really great, highly revered company in the defense industry. So most folks don't leave there. And if they do get laid off, they come back. But whenever I got laid off from there, I said, okay, now I'm in a position where I can make that shift towards technology. So, um, I've always been a bit of an it guy in the background for family and friends, but I wanted to make this my career at that point. So that was January of 2015 when I got laid off and, um, I started doing just some local, uh, it work for some MSPs at schools and things like that. And then, uh, I saw a job ad pop up for a a local ready mix mining and trucking company. It was here in the DFW area and i'm looking at the job ad and at this point i had i had done developed knowledge in networking and systems administration basic help desk stuff um, virtualization data centers things like that and then i see this job ad and i'm like they make concrete why do they need why does a concrete company need someone with virtualization experience why do they need networking experience all of these things so from there uh, i applied got the job started there as an it support specialist in july of 2017 and we were a five-plant ready-mix operation, two quarries, and a trucking company to haul the ag and uh, cement flash, all the cementitious materials. So, I uh, I, I started there in July, and uh, just under a year, uh, the CIO I reported to he he had left the company, and I got promoted to IT manager, and I was IT manager until our company got acquired in August 2020. So. Um, the company that acquired us, you know, they, they didn't need another IT guy in their army of IT folks. So I developed during that time period from July of 17 until August of, well, until now, obviously, because I'm at Command Alcon. But I developed a really great relationship with a lot of the folks at Command. Uh, we were a full Command Alcon shop. So we had Track It for our Ready Mix and Ag Trucks, we had Command Batch for our Concrete Plants um on base for ar we had uh, integra for dispatch command qc for qc obviously so we we ran their full product suite so i developed you know from a support perspective supporting all the various departments in the company as well as the batch plans to so develop some great relationships. so whenever i got laid off i started making some phone calls or i didn't get laid off let me correct that whenever um after the acquisition happened there the owner of that company didn't lay me off. He he kept me employed, but it really felt like I was stealing from him because there was no work left to do. You know, there was nothing. We didn't have 100 mixers to manage anything with, no devices, no technology. So I, I really um, had no, uh, it felt like I had no path onto how I can increase the performance of the company. So that's when I started calling folks at Command and um, that I had worked with over the years, and it just happened to work out so um, I started at command nowcon in June of 2021 as a uh, senior solutions analyst and I was doing implementation for our uh, rucket product our truck and dispatch product and our uh, connects office product both of which are going to get rebranding here soon so if this airs in the future, it, it'll it be referred to as Ticket Accounting and Integrated Trucking. So just a heads up. But yeah, I was doing implementation for those two products. And then uh, about a year into that, I switched over to a more... Um, uh, my title now is a Solution Specialist. So uh, pretty much I cover a broad range of different software products, um, one of which being Ticket Accounting. Formerly Ticket Pro, Connects Office, Rocket, um, which will be integrated trucking, Integra, Command QC, and our latest uh, cloud-based offering is our our dispatch product, our cloud-based dispatch product for ReadyMix. So it's uh, kind of similar to a sales engineer role that other companies would have for their product lines.
1: No, it's fascinating. Yeah, don't don't think about that often. Actually, that the ReadyMix guys, especially the big ones, could use like a, a legit IT person on staff. He actually got me thinking about our company. Our company, we're a mining company, mine clay out of the United States. And we've got IT folks. And you might not necessarily think as an IT guy coming from that world, you might not think like, oh, these people are just digging holes in the ground, taking dirt out of the ground. Uh, they need an IT support specialist.
2: They absolutely do. I And I was very much that naive and thought the exact same way. I'm looking at this job ad, and for me, I, I just wanted to be closer to home because my son had just been born. I was working these crazy hours, and this company was close. So I was like, well, I'll just apply to it and just ride this thing out. Let's see what they can offer. And, oh, my God, it's like I stepped on the biggest piece of bubble gum that I couldn't take off my shoes, you know. It just – um and we and and you're exactly right. I had two, We had two mines, and I can't tell you how many hundreds of feet of Cat five cable I've had to run from a, you know, a generator to a switch to get internet connectivity and just things like that. It's just, it's so overlooked. And I wish, if outside of any additional message, you know, I wish other folks who are passionate about IT and technology. Would, would take the time to get into this industry. It's amazing what how much technology is in this industry trying to innovate at the level in which we're trying to.
1: Well, that's, that's also, actually, that's another great point, that uh, if you have companies like Command and others that are trying to push all these technology solutions, and, we're, and we bring up a lot of them on this show because we think sure. the new tech's fascinating. One of the things we always talk about is how are you going to make this easy for the people there to use? Because most likely the person you're... Uh, broadcasting the service toward is not a you know it oriented no. <laughs> type no. of individual so how do how do you think we get the word out there uh,
2: that's a that's a great question and and one I don't know how I could properly articulate that one of the things I have thought of in the past is you know there's a lot of in our MCAs and one of the associations down here in Texas there's TACA you know I wish there was and, and something probably does exist. I just don't know about it, but some, you know, some kind of technology effort similar to, um, CIM, but, but focused specifically on, on the software and technology and the IT aspect. Uh, I had a brief stint with, with an enterprise operation and, and, um, the amount of, of server hardware they own in a data center, uh, would, would trample most other companies that are Dedicated to doing IT, such as an MSP. I mean, their infrastructure was just insane. So, uh, it can be very rewarding too. You know, from a quality of life standpoint. So, I I do wish there was a better way to get that message out there because we could, you know, this industry can always use some additional exceptionally intelligent people to, you know, move the needle even further.
1: Well, another thing that you, you kind of touched on a little bit, uh, but you didn't say it specifically. But I'll, I'll say it here when you work for a concrete company, it's I, I imagine it's the same for an it guy. It's not like you were alluding to this, but we see this when you're working with these companies that you end up taking on so many roles and having to learn how to do so many things that if you're like this narrow vein it person, you're going to have the the breadth of things that you're going to become proficient and competent mm-hmm. in is, is mind blowing.
2: Oh, it, it absolutely is. And, uh, what's, What's interesting at that point is because I was terrified of that. I was terrified of initially being a jack of all trades IT guy, you know, having a knowledge base a mile wide but only an inch deep. But in reality, that has that has paid dividends to my advancement in this career because I can touch, especially when I'm doing like a demo with a with a an IT manager, for example, or a CIO or something, I can touch in all aspects of you know, the, the process of their on-premise environment, for example. But initially I, you know, I remember at one point I was so scared of, of not having like dedicated knowledge and let's say networking that it was like, okay, I got to, you know, I've had a good run so far at at this IT manager thing. I'm I'm covering a lot of different technologies, a lot of different segments uh, and what encompasses IT. I need to, I need to focus my, my path on a specific path. So I remember um, I applied for a network engineering job and they made me an offer. And I remember going to my, my uh, boss at the time and telling him, and he was like, man, I'm his exact words where you would be doing a disservice by getting out of this industry, not because of my skills. That's not what I'm trying to convey here. It's, it's more importantly, he was saying like this, this industry needs, needs folks like you in, you know, with a really strong IT background that I think you would be, you would be di- doing a disservice to your career as well as your family moving forward by only going into network engineering. So um, completely agree. It's, it's, been, it's been great for me personally. I, I imagine other folks have the same story as well.
1: You know, I appreciate you sharing all that because everybody on this call here at one time has been scared of something <laughs> that we didn't know. And, you know, a couple of us got concrete degrees. But, I mean, I've stood inside of precast plants and didn't have a clue what I was looking at Oh. And I was there to try and make their business better, and I was like, "Well, dang, okay, I know, I know concrete, but I don't know any of this." But I mean, we'll figure it out as we go. And yeah, you absolutely scared, scared to death.
2: Imposter syndrome hits hard sometimes, and it it can really shake you to the point to where it's like, "All right, I just need to get back into my comfort zone." But
1: absolutely, well, it sounds like you found a good home with Command, though. I mean, you're with that strong IT go into uh ready mix and then come out of that because with command now you at least like you actually legit understand the challenges that those folks are facing on the ground
2: absolutely absolutely and and whenever i get into a you know a technical deep dive or discovery conversation you know one of my 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 biggest goals is to really uncover some of that pain and i remember thinking at the ready mix operation i was at you know we were so unique We, you know, everything we did was so, it felt chaotic, but it worked for our business structure. And then once I got outside of that and I started, um, working at command, I'm working with all these other ready mix companies across the world. They're, they're all similarly have their own structure and how they do business. And it's not too dissimilar from how we did it there. They're really just, you know, trying to, trying to make concrete and then trying to build customers and trying to make some money at the same time. Get, once i got the grass wasn't necessarily greener on the other side like the, not all these other companies had a significantly better process to achieve goal a b and c that's what i try to extract out of the customer whenever i'm i'm speaking with them you know what are some of the problems you're having and then let me tell you about the solutions that can fix that
0: right well yeah we're, we're all definitely more similar than we are different for sure and you've been in the industry long enough i'm interested to hear your take on this being an it guy
2: mm-hmm. the
0: influx of technology i feel has been rampant in in probably the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, give or take. Have you seen new technology that's been implemented to certainly make a difference in the concrete industry, create more of a vacuum or an issue somewhere on down the line? Is it kind of like pulling a thread where the more efficient you get in certain areas, it brings out the inefficiencies in other areas and you're just kind of playing whack-a-mole with technology?
2: Yeah, to an extent. Um, and a lot of that I think comes from the difficulties of navigating change management, you know, especially when you, you implement new software for folks that have been accustomed to using the same software for X amount of decades at this point, you know, especially with respect to command, you know, Vintegra and command series have been on the market for, for several decades at this point. And to implement a new software that, you know, you think and know that can, uh, increase efficiency once it's fully implemented and folks are trained, right. You still have to navigate that initial phase of tr- change management. So it can, it can certainly have its negative effects, you know, but it, if you, if you had that person on site and you've got your champion and someone who can, you know, Essentially, be an extension of Command Alcon that is is seeing that implementation through. Usually, it's it ends up being a success.
0: How much how much beta testing is used when you roll out new software and what what does that process look like? Do you use Champions to beta test, or you guys do all of that in house?
2: No. Well, we do we do some of it in house, and we have what's referred to often as called a early adopter program. So um, for our cloud-based dispatch, for example, we started developing that, I think, a little over two years ago at this point. And we had, I think, the initial early adopter folks that we, we kind of primed our target audience for were just you know one, two plants, maybe maybe a few more, but we really kind of vetted out their operations and told them, hey, this is, um, this is our new product. This is an early adopter uh, situation. This isn't a general availability go-to-market. And now it is uh but at the time you know when we're initially starting it it's absolutely critical to have early adopters especially as customers because that that feedback that they give us will literally write up a a a development task to add that feature into the product we we use a a software um, called jira and that's how we task our development team to do certain tasks to develop for the product and We'll literally put in some of those. Um, they call them Jira cards, and we'll literally put in Jira cards the customer name that requested it. So that you know, the amount of feedback that Command Alcon gets, uh, not only from customers who aren't even early adopters, to to tailor the product for hopefully the broader audience of use, is just it's really hard to put into words how critical that feedback is. We can have internal meetings all day long, but it really kind of becomes a bit of an echo chamber. You know, you you need that, that various different business practices going back to how we kind of ran our ready mix operation and thinking it was so different from everybody else. You know, you need that broad spectrum of different feedback from various customers to really make uh, an outstanding product. Um, so early adopter phase for the dispatch, um, dispatch product itself, our cloud-based dispatch, I think we had it. Um, and I'll probably get corrected on this. I think we were an early adopter for at least a year, year and a half. And then we, we ultimately achieved general availability and we, so far we're seeing, seeing great success. We've got a target market for it. We're still developing every single day as well as some new products coming to market too, which I think we'll talk about here, here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, well, be, before we do, my last general question. When you're going through this beta process and, and you just mentioned it yourself, there's always a new product on the horizon. What's uh-huh. the sense of urgency like? Because if you wait till something's perfect, you might not ever roll it out to the general public. But
2: um, it, it should have been done yesterday. And, and it's not. He's got the same managers we do. We're, right. we, yeah,
0: we're more the same than we are different.
2: Right? Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's really tough because. That's where I have to I, I have to give respect to product owners and product management. Um, you know, when I was a customer, I there were times where I would receive an invoice or or we would sign up for a, pro, uh, a product and it would be even be a Command outcome product and it maybe didn't quite offer everything we expected it to achieve, and we would get that we would send that feedback back to the product team and then um, at Command, you know it really went back to our salesperson and then they take that feedback and get it back to product. And it's really, um, once I got on this side of the fence on the command the the, the software side, it's extraordinarily difficult to, to be a product owner for let's say dispatch or inventory and you get all this feedback coming. And every single customer wants this implemented because it would immediately affect how well their operations run. And it's an art to be able to juggle all those different tasks and and try and determine okay if we develop this today, how many customers could we could we affect versus this one customer to make them extremely happy. So, um, I props to anybody who does product management, just in software in general, or um, trying to you know, determine what path to move forward. It's extremely difficult, but yeah, customers certainly, you know, if they see an opportunity or something they would love, they, it, it, it's something that, all right, we should have had this done already, but it, it certainly takes time.
1: Well, one of the things command is doing is bringing like a, an entire ecosystem of services and trying to bring them all together. Do you exactly face, right. you know, I, when I looked at that, I thought that was interesting. I, I just don't know how many guys are getting to sign up for like the entire ecosystem. Is it tough for for you as command to to help people when they just want to pick and choose like one service or another? And you're like, Oh, this would be so much easier if you just, if you would just do like these other three with it, please.
2: <laughs> I So personally, yeah, I get in a discovery with the customer and it's, you know, let's say, you know, they're running, um, you know, a different batching software, but everything else they have is Command Alcon. You know, there's some products uh, that we we haven't quite integrated with third-party solutions just yet. And yeah, it's like, oh, could, why couldn't you just be running Command Batch? Life would be so much easier for both of us at this point. Um, and and that, that has its own challenges. But, you know, it's no secret that you know command Alcon does um, have a pretty great market share within this industry, so mm-hmm. luckily more often than not when we get into a discovery phase with customers they're already running most of our most of our software products um, we We certainly have our more densely populated areas versus competitors and that's I mean that's true for for any of the software offerings and that we offer as well as um, you know other vendors too. But uh it, it definitely it definitely makes life easier. Now I will say, you know, we are kind of changing our our focus and our strategy with respect to um an API first methodology. So, you know, we want to make customers' data available to them and let them do what they want with their data via an API first methodology. So to me, I think we're past an infancy stage and in getting that developed. Um we're certainly Um, we have some customers utilizing our our tickets API via connects today. So there's a lot you can do with just ticket data alone, but we have an extraordinarily uh, extensive API backlog coming soon uh, that we're going to be referring to as uh, version four. And really it's going to seemingly feel like there's not a piece of data that we can't extract via an API. And that's going to be extremely powerful for some of the customers who need um, whatever data that's within their current, uh, Command alcon software uh, they use today. So,
1: yeah, the skill of being able to design a mix design is going to go away.
2: <laughs> I mean, um, we're just
1: going to be searching these databases and you just know everything about everything.
2: That's exactly right. It's, it's uh, especially, you know, um, with AI and machine learning being in its infancy. If once we start applying some of that to, you know, tweak a mix design based on historical data or something like that, I mean, we're not there yet. I'm sure somebody's testing it somewhere, but I, I agree with you. I think eventually it's all going to get some algorithm thrown to it.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a couple of folks that are already doing the, the AI side of, of this, and I believe Command's one of them. And we are. Th- yep. Yeah. We, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, but eventually, eventually, you're going to be able to. In my mind, you're going to use it like ChatGPT, and exactly you're going right. to type into. It, you're going to type into. It, you're going to say. I'd like to have a mix that is 4,000 psi that's going to be for an exterior floor. And these are the aggregate, you know, I'm going to use this stone and this, you know, or these are my sources. Like, you don't even have to tell it how much of whatever you want. You say, yeah, these are my sources. And you know, just comb through all the historical data and say, you know, we, this is the, exact mix design you need based on historical data and then it submits everything straight to the GC or the state or whoever needs everything. It's going to be
2: super quick. It's going to be unbelievable. I, I, I can't wait for that day personally. I, <laughs> uh, I, mainly because I'm such a, you know, I'm so insatiably curious and I just can't wait to see how AI machine learning is going to affect our industry. And In our industry with respect to technology and software has traditionally been slower to adopt than other you know cybersecurity, for example um that that's super easy to adopt really quick um but when you've had dispatchers using the same program for 30 years and uh you know it makes it a little tougher to get buy off from the people who you're trying to sell with so yeah we will get there one day but i luckily you know for me personally that's um, great job security so i'm,
1: I'm okay with that yeah. well that that, uh, that ai bot is gonna have to be right because right now um i can type stuff into chat gpt and it gives me the wrong answer like okay just real quick uh, in the middle i have a statistics class that i'm in and uh couldn't figure out how to do it so i was trying to get the ai bot to do it for me and uh uh, and, and I was like I don't think that's the right answer so I just spent a little more time got the answer and I was like okay I think the chatbot's wrong so I submitted my answer and we went into class and I was asking somebody like hey I ended up asking the professor because he he thinks AI is cool too so oh yeah like, hey just to let you know I tried to cheat on my homework but uh, uh <laughs> I think it gave me the wrong answer so I went with what I had so but yeah so it was spitting out the wrong
2: answer to statistical wow. equations
1: even though it got the equation correct it got the solution incorrect which was like super strange. I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, that seems
2: backwards almost. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, what's interesting is I, you know, I've seen, I've seen chat GPT, you know, write SQL query strings and stuff like that. And it, it just nails it. But you would think something that seems relatively simple as far as math goes, it would just get yeah, it I, right off the bat.
1: Yeah, I told it, I was like, I was like, this is uh, this is my sample size, my mean, my standard deviation, blah, blah, blah. And you know, could you write it in using our code? <laughs>
2: Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, wrote yeah.
1: it. He wrote it all out perfectly, but gave me the wrong answer. I was, I was yeah. like, yeah, I don't uh,
2: think that's right. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take that though. That's pretty cool. That's pretty. Yeah,
1: nice. yeah, it was fun. And today, uh, uh you came on here. Uh, we did want to talk about one thing that's coming out. Something yep. that, that's new. Uh, It's about inventory management. Uh, It's so new that, like, we tried to look up some stuff on it. Don't I I did personally? I didn't really, couldn't really find anything. So, why don't you? (laughs) I wanted to come in prepared to be like, all right, this is what we're talking about. And I was like, you know what? You're just going to (laughs) have to start from the very basic level for us. For, for, you know, if if this was Chat GPT, I'd say, Billy GPT, explain inventory management like we're five year olds.
2: Oh, man. I, I love it. Explain it like I'm five. So, there's different levels, right? You know, the, the initial thing that we've found a lot of traction with is, is I, I like to think of it as, as three different stages of success in, in completing this story that, we're gonna, that I'm going to try to articulate right now. The first one is, um, you know, between our software offerings that we have, in addition, uh, using what's called ticket accounting and uh, inventory. Trucks pull into the concrete plants and they drop off paper tickets. And at the end of the day, the batch operator, and in my experience, you know, those batch guys and gals, they'll work just, I I don't even know how some of them are still alive. They'll just seemingly work 20 hours a day and then come in three hours later and do it again six days a week. It's just (laughs) absolutely mind boggling. But they get a batch of tickets in at the end of the day. they're, They're in command batch and they're having to type in. Or they could be doing it during the day, but depending on how busy your plan is, in my experience I always saw it them doing it at the end of the day. So they'll run their end of day report in command batch and then they've got this stack of paper tickets and they'll punch it into inventory into command batch. And um, that that's the standard, that's the status quo. And where we wanted to try to disrupt that using the technology we offer is, hey, how about you just take a picture of this paper ticket? and then let us extract the data us being command obviously and then we'll we'll send that data after we extract it and update your command batch inventories automatically so that's what we did and that's kind of the basic step one so what we're trying to initially alleviate is one giving some hours back to the batch guy or anyone who is manually entering in information from a piece of paper it's absolutely amazing how many pieces of paper still exist in this industry with some of the software solutions that are out there today? But it's again, this industry slow to change, so it's it's still going to be out there for years to come. Uh, our batch guys could be entering in, you know, two hundred plus tickets at the end of the day. You're selecting different material types, logging it in each silo and then or ag bin or whatever, and then different vendors, and then what trucking vendor delivered it. So it can be a lot of manual work. Uh, For someone who probably types at best 20 words a minute, you know, so it could take a long time is my point. And what we wanted to solve uh, and what we have solved for some customers is just snap a picture of this ticket, get it into this website. You don't even need to look at it. We'll turn that paper ticket into digital data. We'll send uh, your tonnage that you received at the plant into the cloud. And then we'll send that data from the cloud back to command batch and you can book your, whatever material you received into inventory. And you can either do that in the cloud. So access to your data anywhere in a book inventory into uh, batch anywhere you have access to the internet. So it's not limited to being on premise, which is really great. Or you could continue to do it in command batch. That data will show up in the shipments tab. And all you can do is book it into inventory at that point too. So we want to, w- Again, going back to the foundation here is eliminating manual data entry. You want to save the company time um, the employee time, save money on hourly rate for the employee save mental health for the you know the batch guy who spends so many hours during the week doing that so that's the that's the ground level one that's that's like the 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 initial step. So the next step after that, kind of the medium uh, small to medium to uh, mid market scenarios. We have what's called forecasts and shipments. Um, and, and the first one specifically was called shipments. Second one's forecasts and shipments. And this one is okay. We can, let's take that paper di- ticket data and let's get it into the cloud. And then let us also show you via a visualization dashboard, similar to like a power BI or something like that. Um, of what your, what your incoming material loads actually look like. So if you've got, um, you know, 200 tons of sand incoming. We can give you a visualization of, uh, based on how many tons of, you know, whatever material coming in, you can actually see that in a graph and, and accurately calculate, um, how many orders you could send out. Um, so that's step two. And another piece of that too is, uh, not only can you see demand of incoming materials, but as orders are batched from the concrete plant, you can actually see the demand drop. So, if you use x amount of tons of sand, you'll see on that graph in real time because we read your stockpile your inventory levels in command batch in real time, and you'll see those levels drop. so you get a forecast then to not only demand but real-time inventory status, which is uh, can be extremely powerful for communication between. You know, uh, similar to my my company, as an example, Um, trucking dispatch team and the ready mix dispatch team were two totally segregated operations. They would send out a spreadsheet or an email that says, hey, we need X amount of tons of sand delivered at this plant tomorrow. And that was the communication between the two. So not only could we solve uh, problem one with saving the batch guys some time entering in material receipts, but we can also increase the efficiency and communication between trucking dispatch and ready mix dispatch trucking dispatchers had access to that forecast and shipment screen. They could see in real time what their stockpile levels are. Now how we did that in my experience was with cameras. We literally had 20 cameras set up at each plant, one camera and an overhead bin on the plant. Um, one camera, uh, inventory levels were actively monitored, uh, for cement and flash. So we had real time inventory tracking on that. But for aggregates, we would just look at stockpile levels on a camera and say, Oh yeah, we probably need another truck or two. So getting access and insights to that real time inventory data by not only inputting what you receive in, in real time, but also what you, uh, uh batch out in real time can be uh, quite powerful. The last step, and this is kind of getting into the sausage making, um, is is full blown replenishment, and and replenishment. You know, typically what we've seen so far is more geared towards a, a fully vertically integrated company uh, operation that has their own quarry or cement locations. They're already running all the requisite software required from ready mix dispatch to our uh, aggregate ordering solution called apex, you know, they're running all the software required and they, that replenishment can read current inventory levels. And as it gets low, automatically create that order in apex to replace replenish that, that material as it drops in real time. So it's, it's incredibly powerful. Um, it it certainly, you know, has a, a bit more of a niche market, you know, because you, you know, to be in that specific scenario, you do have to have a little more requisites. And we, we see it. what I've seen in my experience so far is it's been primarily enterprise customer that kind of fit that, that bill. But every, every enterprise company started, you know, somewhere, you know, so they could fall into that, that mid to small to mid market area there, and then eventually get to that full blown replenishment cycle. But um, it, it's a, it's extraordinarily powerful tool now with respect to getting information out to the public on this, we're, um, we're starting a pretty heavy broadcast or a, uh, pretty heavy, uh, marketing campaign to get this out to the public. And we really want to, we really want to start with telling that story of let's do a crawl, walk, run approach here. Let's first solve the problem of accurately getting inventory into command batch without your batch guy or girl having to enter that themselves. That's the, that's the first step. Let's, let's crawl with that. And then as we get comfortable with the product, let's start walking towards that forecast and, and shipments. Let's see, let's see what we got going out versus what's coming in. And then once we get to that, that full blown sprint stage at that point, you know, which again is a more of a targeted market, you know, we can completely automate that, that entire cycle. So from the time you pick up material at your quarry or cement terminals to the time you dispatch your truck to the time that truck arrives at the plant, you put it in the inventory and then you batch out the concrete. We've got full turnkey automated solution to fulfill that scenario there.
1: Yeah. And with all the automation there, uh, you would no longer need your batch man to take pictures of the tickets at the end of the day either. Right. You cut that step out as well. or they?
2: Yeah. So the, so the, the step three, you know, the, the more, Um, comparatively speaking complex implementation at that point is it's getting data directly from, you know, uh, your apex scales, for example. So it's coming directly from the database. So yeah, you wouldn't need to, um, you wouldn't need to take pictures of tickets at that point anymore. And additionally to move on that, um, if we have a connects connected vendor uh, sharing order information, so vendor A is a, a seller of cement, and they're connected to our platform, they can share that order data with vendor B, and we can use that order data to update inventory levels as well. So there there are some, you know, we'd obviously need sign off from each vendor saying, hey, yeah, I'll share this order and ticket information with you. Um, you know, that has to get dealt with. but. That's an easy email exchange. Yeah, thumbs up, go ahead. And then you could use that that order data as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be your own vertically integrated. It can be another platform-connected provider of those materials.
1: Well, Paperless ticketing in the ready mix world is coming. It's coming fast. It's it here for some people already. And mm-hmm. one of the big concerns that I hear in, in the marketplace is that the little guys are scared to death because they're concerned that they're going to get left behind. Are you sensing any of that apprehension when you're out there talking to folks?
2: Um, I, yeah, because we experienced that, you know, prior to my time at command, I mean, a large, um, you know, part of my, you know, my structure for my comp plan was, uh, in order to, you know, achieve certain incentivized rewards, so to speak. Uh, I, it said in my, in my employment agreement to actively pursue the latest and greatest technologies to increase efficiencies and in back office processes. And one of those inefficiencies that we had and many other ready mix companies have is, is paper tickets. And, and um, yeah, there's absolutely apprehension out there of feeling like they get left behind. I think a lot of that, Uh, that's potentially a a salesperson's best thing they could use in their arsenal to sell a product is like, you, you know, your folks down three exits away, they're already using this solution. You need to make sure you sign up so you're not getting left behind. You know, that's a powerful, you know, tool you could tell a customer, but it's also true. It's not just a simple sales manipulation tactic or anything like that. It's, it's really honestly true. If some of those customers can get all their tickets, uh, paperless, just sent to them electronically. Um, maybe they have a preference on who they buy that ready mix from.
1: Yeah. You know, being in the business of concrete, uh, it, unfortunately it's viewed uh, in the marketplace by the, the customers view it as a commodity. And Absolutely. when you have something that's used as a commodity, fortunately price becomes just um, just a disaster, <laughs> disaster for the concrete salespeople. So the margins end up being low it can be a little bit cutthroat. so when the small guys feel like they're going to be left behind it's because they're concerned that they don't have the wiggle room to implement such a fancy solution Uh, like what commands coming with or even basic stuff that like the dots are kind of forcing down people's throats how do you deal with those types of concerns when when you have somebody who's got that type of fear
2: um for me i would use past experience that um i've had with other customers who did sign off on that solution and i won't you know, of course, I won't tell that customer the customer name that I'm referring to, but I you know anytime I, I get on a, a customer demo or or anytime I communicate with people in general, my goal is, is what is coming across is authenticity like they believe every word I'm actually saying I'm not just blowing smoke. And I do the same thing in technical demos when I'm telling them, Hey, this is how customer a does it today. And look, it was tough at first. Like there was some change management when we went through and we're going to have that here. It's going to be difficult. Um, expectation management is one of the most important things whenever you're trying to not only sell a product, but impl- implement the product too. And as long as that customer knows, yeah, it's going to be a little bumpy. We're going to have to navigate some challenges here, but that's also what we're here for. Usually, uh, in my experience so far, especially with um, you know the ticket accounting pr- uh, uh, software specifically, it's we've had some really great successes with it. So, and the and the other thing too, uh, I, to kind of turn on my sales hat for a sec is that um, you know solving that that very first step, the crawl stage, right the the you know updating inventory uh, using our inventory cloud-based platform as well as ticket accounting um, it's extremely simple to implement there's no you just need an internet connection you you may download a mobile app or you may want to use a desktop scanner but um, the implementation time compared to a traditional on-premise software um, it's only weeks compared to what could be months to implement you know a different software under our umbrella and it's not directly apples to apples you know you can't it, I, I don't want anyone to take away that what I'm trying or what I've implemented is comparable to doing an Apex or a command series implementation. It's, it's certainly different beasts. But the, how I, I try to make the customer feel comfortable moving forward with signing that contract or doing implementation is, uh, uh, one, advocating on behalf of the customer, and two, it's one of our easiest implementations we have. You just snap a picture of the ticket, and we do all the stuff in the back end. And then you just look at the results via command batch, and then and then the folks that are crawling at that point, they're usually pretty happy. Yeah, so. we
1: uh, our company's going through uh, updating our ERP, and it's been a hey, oh,
2: good, good. what yeah. one year, <laughs> one and a half
1: year, just nightmare. <laughs> so. I uh,
2: I you know I I feel like in order to um, work in software to some extent, you kind of have uh, you got to maintain that insatiable thirst for curiosity and that and that includes things that are extremely difficult and i remember prior to my time at command our cfo there wanted to implement an erp system and he kept telling me you're not ready for this you're not ready for this and i <laughs> i i i was against him i yes i am bring it on i want the challenge because i want to see what's so bad about this like you're you're hyping it up, and it's having like a reverse effect for me. Now I want it more because you think it's so challenging. Uh, and then we never ended up getting to the ERP because the company got bought out, so um, I never got to experience it. But I've never heard um, a good thing about going through an ERP <laughs> uh, implementation. The only good
1: thing—the only good thing—is if you're the consultant who sold it and the amount of money that they just made I,
2: uh, it, exactly
1: to, to help implement it. That's uh, that's the only good news is that one person or whoever is making an absolute ton of money. Um, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, Joey's uh, been a little quiet over there, brother. Uh, got any questions for Mr. Billy Ripple?
0: We remember earlier in the podcast when you said uh, uh, some of those guys were not IT savvy. That's me. So I'm just sitting here listening to <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Joey's the guy sending the support ticket and <laughs> yeah. your answer has to be turn it off and turn it back on yeah billy
0: you're not going to believe this but the guy that where it took him 30 seconds to get off mute yeah that's our that's our resident i.t dunce <laughs> Dang, hey man.
1: i can you're usually good. hit the you're space good. bar and it can act like a walkie-talkie and it'll take me off mute and it didn't work his time so uh,
2: now i i don't i don't know your actual title but based on my experience i'm going to assume you sell concrete
1: that's what most people that that come in contact with me assume that don't know anything about what i do they always ask for a concrete hookup
2: every time every time Uh, that's hilarious
1: billy we can't let you out of here we gotta ask you one question that we ask every guest that comes on the add 10 gallons concrete podcast and that is what is the craziest thing you've ever seen on a job site or at the plant site or at the
2: quarry Man, that's a good one. Um The the craziest thing for me. Okay, so I'll I'll do concrete and then I'll do i I'll do my my specific crazy story. But I don't want to come off as selfish. But for concrete, uh seeing my first mixer rollover was pretty wild. <laughs> uh, uh, Damn, he's
0: right though. I mean we don't talk about that enough, but it
2: happens. Oh yeah. man. Way too often. Like <laughs> right? um You know, and especially if it's been raining and they're they're pouring in a new residential area, and and it's just it just hasn't set yet. And then we put we come in with nine yards, and we only got a or ten yards, and we only got a three axle truck. It's it's just amazing how many mixer rollovers happen. So that always boggled my mind. The other thing um, at a plant, I I seen a a pneumatic. hose get blown off the silo while it was pumping cement into there. So that turned into a giant dust bowl really fast. That was pretty crazy. I thought something had exploded and I guess it kind of did. Um, For <laughs> for me, the craziest thing that happened to me though was uh, we had opened up a new corporate office to move into as we were growing just exponentially year after year and we needed more people. So we needed more space. So I had to put it stuff in there and i was running across the rooftops up top running cat5 cable and and uh my boss at the time before he had left he said man i hear you stomping up there and running around slow down slow down take it easy it's like yeah man no problem of course i didn't um and i, I went right through the roof dude i mean just stepped in between the two studs dropped down on the ground half my body's hanging out the other half sitting up top and one of the sales guys came through and he happened to be walking through and was using the restroom and he peeks his head out. He's like, whoa, you know, like uh, for me falling through the roof while trying to get the while trying to get some cables ran was uh, pretty scary for me. Yeah. mix, mix of rollovers always always kind of tripped me out. Thankfully, our, our drivers were always OK, but.
1: Yeah man, we've all I think we've all seen a mixture roll over. I haven't seen like an active. I haven't seen like actually tip over in front of my eyes, but when you roll up to an intersection and there's fresh concrete oh, all man. over the ground, you're just like, "Oh man, yeah. it just hurts." You. You're like, ooh, It so does. Good. So really good.
2: so much money is lost right there. Customers angry. Oh.
1: Oh, yeah, nightmare. Hey, glad you're okay after falling through the roof. That's pretty Night. good. Actually, I think you're the first guest yet to have their crazy story be something that happened to them. Ah. Yeah, like
0: specifically, specifically to Specifically happened yeah. to you yeah. rather than something that that you yeah, saw happen. usually they're always outing somebody else for not being safe very rarely yeah. well, take yeah. the onus upon themselves to, yeah, <laughs> to admit I, that we well, all do it <laughs> I'm a
2: trendsetter what can I say <laughs>
1: well Billy this has been an absolute pleasure man if anybody yeah. listening here wants to reach out to you or find out more about what it is that you've got going on how can they find you
2: um, I'm available via email bripple at dot you can find me on LinkedIn um, just search either uh, the command outcome page and click on the employees tab and search my name there or you can connect with me uh, on LinkedIn if you would like to as well. I'd love to chat. Can
1: I tell you how jealous I am of this man and his easy to spell last name? (laughs) <laughs> but he, he was like B. Ripple And he didn't have to spell it Because yeah. I, I got a nice name that doesn't make any sense Well it's so, not spelled right, that's for sure It's not spelled right, that's for sure <laughs> that's, So, yeah. And this man is going to be oh yeah, I'm B. Ripple Just go find me like, oh, oh, yep. that, that has to be so satisfying
2: <laughs> it, is, it is satisfying until I, I run into that Concrete salesman who's been selling For 40 years, He's like, oh yeah, Ripple Wine I remember that, and I'm like God, I hate this last name <laughs> <laughs> is, Why am I getting reference to it? $3 of wine from back in the 70s. But. <laughs> and and Whatever. we
1: could not end this on a higher note. So, Perfect. Billy cool. Ripple, a thanks, wine dude. and all. Thank you, brother.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you, out. dude. I appreciate it, guys. Yep. All right,
0: and that's going to do it for this episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening in. One final thanks to Billy for all the uh, knowledge, wisdom, stories that he was able to share here today hope you all enjoyed it if you did leave a five-star review and tell a friend about us and uh, in the meantime look us up on our social media pages as well we're always posting content on instagram linkedin facebook and youtube Uh, go back and look at the media we are able to gain at the con expo as well as prior episodes and other quick clips and shorts that we put on there as well for your entertainment in between episodes Uh, Thanks to ActiGel208 for making all of this possible, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. We love to see our listenership grow each and every episode. We really appreciate it and hope that we can continue giving you guys a a podcast that's uh, not only informational but also entertaining as well. So until next time, y'all be good.